It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome Sandy, thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in DC is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician, I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Let me say we've talked a lot about the primaries yesterday, so let me tell you quickly what happened in Ohio. Governor Mike DeWine has been reelected with 47.3%. His opposition was divided. You know, that's what Republicans do. That's what conservatives do. They run a million candidates, and then the good candidate doesn't prevail. The reason I say that about Mike DeWine is because uh, he's been really bad on COVID policy, and he was very bad on uh, election integrity, and so uh, very disappointing to me. But he's been reelected as governor for the state of Ohio. And in the Senate race, which we've all been watching, we've talked a great deal about, uh, J.D. Vance has prevailed. He was supported, of course, and endorsed by President Trump and others. Uh, Tucker Carlson uh, has given him a lot of airtime. He has won by 32.9%. Josh Mandel came in second at 24.3%. And Dolan, the other candidate, came in at 23.34%. So, uh, that's what happened in Ohio overnight. We just pray that J.D. Vance turns out to be all that Tucker Carlson thinks he is. Many of us are very concerned about that election. In Indiana, one shout-out, Jennifer Ruth Green. We played a clip from Jennifer Ruth Green. She's an Air Force veteran, a black uh, female. She she is just incredible. Uh, I remember playing a clip for you uh, and just kind of featuring her a couple of weeks ago, and now she has prevailed in her race and that's a congressional district, uh, the first one in Indiana. So that that's really, that's very cool. And so uh, that's a quick update. We have a lot to talk about this morning because, as you know, the D.C. is certainly aware with whole, this whole leak out of the Supreme Court uh, of Alito's draft on overturning Roe versus Wade. And so everyone's pretty apoplectic about that. It is a very serious breach of Supreme Court precedent and also just the way it needs to operate in secret for someone to leak that. No question about it. There are commentaries about whether or not the leaker, you know, will be prosecuted. Uh, the Chief Justice has uh, ordered uh, security to find out who did it. They know what, you know, they've narrowed it down. So we'll find that out. And then, of course, the question is will the court actually go through and adapt? Will the justices vote for Alito's version? Will they overturn Roe versus Wade? That we really don't know. But I think one of the things that you need to know is it's getting, there is, many of us feel, I'm I'm in this camp, that this was an intentional timed leak. Uh, Kamala Harris is getting ready to speak for NARAL. That's the big abortion rights. Maybe she did, she might have done it last night, but it's coming up imminently. And we know now, because Joe Biden came out saying that now you must elect pro-choice lawmakers because it's the decision, if they overturn Roe versus Wade, will go back to the states. So now he's making it political, and so is Chuck Schumer. I'm not going to take precious time from our guests to play those clips for you, uh, but I think there's a political component. I think the leaker will be a hero, and that's where I am on this. But more importantly, what does this decision um, mean to all of us? Tom Brecka is a good longtime friend of mine. 
And I just thought of him yesterday, and I thought, I wonder what Tom thinks about that. He is the president and chief counsel of the Thomas More Society, and in that capacity, he has defended my—I make this personal to me, but I will—Joe, uh, Ann, and Eric Scheidler of Pro-Life Action League, very dear friends, 20 years uh, defending them in the Supreme Court, 40 Days for Life, Abby Johnson, Susan B. Anthony List, Lila Rose, most recently David Dalyden, and I could go on and on with the defense that Tom Brecka has provided for pro-lifers around the country for many, many decades. And he joins us this morning. Good morning, Tom. Thanks for joining me. Well, very glad to be with you, Sandy. You know, I honestly, Tom, I just think I want to ask you what your perspective is. I could ask you a lot of particular questions, and I will, but what are your thoughts about what's happened in the Supreme Court in the last couple of days? Well, it was a bombshell, no no doubt, but uh, the opinion itself uh, that was leaked, uh, released um, surreptitiously, I guess, uh, is a marvel. <laughs> I just read it with great admiration for Justice Alito. Uh, it, it hits all the high points. Uh, it it says what we've been arguing for so long, so many things wrong with Roe. And when I say wrong, not just because Roe opened the door to the killing of all these uh, infants, uh, a real bloody legacy if there ever was one, but as a legal matter, uh, the basis on which the court made its decision, 1973, uh, were were flawed, terribly flawed. They were wrong. They said that uh, the common law uh, never even outlawed. This is our our historic law in America, uh, abortion even after quickening. Uh, this is just wrong, and and uh, it's been pointed out over and over. And my goodness, uh, Justice Alito. It hit all those high points, but on the other hand, uh, we we shouldn't be uh, triumphalist about this. We shouldn't uh, assume now that we've won. It was clearly an underhanded tactic uh, and invented to uh, you know cause a great political uproar. And uh, before the elections coming up, the midterms, and indeed, uh, as you pointed out in your introduction, I mean. You know, Kamala Harris is speaking out, uh, Joe Biden. Uh, it, it was a terrible thing. It's, uh, I think Leonard Leo said it's probably the most uh, significant attack, betrayal of our institutions in the history of the country. I think uh, Mark, Levin said, Mark Levin said something similar, too. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I, I just think people have understood. Help us understand, Tom, why this is such a breach. In your own words, you know, you've been in the Supreme Court. <laughs> you were you should have had a, a room up out in D.C. for all the time you spent there. Well, why is this such a breach uh, of our well, of our it, system? Yes, well, it's it's, uh, it's like the jury room. Uh, you know, to pick one comparison, it's it's certainly not. <laughs> pardon me, not exact an exact comparison, but you know, nobody can uh, you know. Uh, eavesdrop in the jury room. It's just a flagrant uh, violation of the integrity of our judicial process. And here the Supreme Court justices have a, you know, an unblemished history of confidentiality that their efforts to persuade one another to exchange drafts of proposed opinions uh, to uh, circulate uh, dissents or concurrences. Uh, This is all 
it, it, it's got to be private. <laughs> you know, you can't have these uh, uh, this political meddling in the deliberative process of the justices, and that's what this is. And it's an attempt to, you know, arouse uh, opposition. Uh, I think a better word would be insurrection. Take the word from the other yes, side here. Yes. Uh, you know, and intimidate the justices. So one or two of them will sign off. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say in response was, uh, you know, we already have timid justices. It's amazing to me how frightened they seem to be, especially the new ones. And so, um, and especially our sitting chief justice, very easily, it seems, influenced by politi- by the, the public opinion, scared of their own shadow. Mm-hmm. And I honestly, yeah. I, you know, and Schumer, I'm not going to take time to play it, but he he actually was so brazen on the Senate floor yesterday, uh, pointing out the justices and how wicked they were and how wicked Republican senators were to send us those kind of justices. I mean, he goes for the jugular. And I think it's very dangerous, Tom. Well, it is very dangerous. And, you know, the chief justice, uh, who, by the way, is pro-life and indeed uh you know, back when we were arguing, preparing uh, one of the uh, Schneider appeals, as you pointed out, there were three of them before the Supreme Court over a period of 28 years. But we were working with, uh, uh, you know, his wife, the chief justice's wife. He was not in office then. He was a litigator in Washington. And she relayed some comments uh, from him about uh, one of the draft briefs we were working on. and. Uh, it was an interesting comment. It was why we emphasize civil disobedience so much. You see, he's very conservative in the sense that he doesn't like rocking the boat. And unfortunately, uh, even though he's pro-life, uh, you know, he's timid uh, and, and worries too much about the, quote, institution of the court and how it will, it'll be regarded, uh, not about doing what's right. And I, I hope we'll see improvement on that score. And uh, I hope the Alito opinion persists, that uh, some of the justices don't, uh, you know, run off to the other side, as happened back in, in 1992 and 1993 with the Pennsylvania versus Casey. They circulated an opinion then within the court, which would reverse Roe, and the pro-abortion justices were so upset and angry and uh, sharply critical that uh, three of the uh, justices who had been willing to vote to reverse Roe withdrew and filed their concurring opinion, which kept what they called the the essential holding of Roe intact. And then they just kind of weakened it, they thought, but it left us with this uh, test of undue burden. You can regulate abortion, but only if it's not a, quote, undue burden, unquote, on the abortion right. Well, the abortion right ought to be abolished. There's no basis for it in the Constitution. Alito is such a persuasive writer that uh, he makes that case absolutely clear. So they can't win on the merits, and they're trying to win by intimidation. Yes, and if we were to talk about Roe versus Wade, which uh, which we could, uh, but we're not going to have the time. You know, we I, I always restate that Ruth Bader Ginsburg said it was wrongly decided. She made that very public. So it's a very weak case. It's based on two lies. The whole premise: Norma McCorvey's story, Sandra Kano's story, both were fabricated by the feminists. 
And uh, we know this is all a ploy. It, this is like a big game that they've been playing for a long, very dangerous, deadly game that they've been playing for since 1973 on the American people. But uh, let me ask you, Tom, one thing I want to ask you before we run out of time. You are busy defending David Dow Leiden in California. Let me quickly say, David Dow Leiden is the young man. He was young when this started anyway. And he was the one who uh, did undercover videos in Planned Parenthood exposing uh, their um, uh, uh, sale of baby body parts for profit. And so uh, now, of course, the, the worm turned and the, the powers that be in California came after David Dow Leiden and you're defending him. So I'm curious, as you think through... If this decision or something like it that Alito's written should pass and Roe versus Wade is overturned and abortion is not just blanket made legal in, the, in all of the 50 states, what effect will that have on the power of Planned Parenthood? Have you thought through that? Well, I think it'll be, um, I think on both sides, I think we'll be uh, maybe busier than ever in trying to advocate for our respective points of view. If if the Alito opinion reversing Roe uh, wins, if it prevails and it becomes the official judgment of the court, these issues will go back to 50 different jurisdictions. Each state will have to decide on its own uh, to what extent abortion should be a right or should be regulated or should be allowed at all. And I think Planned Parenthood's uh, multi gazillion dollar empire. Uh, will be busier than ever uh, advocating uh, in not only in red states, but uh, trying to uh, make uh, abortion. I mean, now in California and some other states, they're talking about infanticide after the baby's born, uh, giving you a a legal opportunity option to uh, put an end to the baby's life. It's just, it's horrible. So, and we, we've got to energize. The pro-life movement will be challenged, perhaps now, as never before. Isn't that interesting? And, of course, there'll be battle in Congress. Uh, Congress could also pass that violent yeah. abortion and all well, which is why you, this is why Joe Biden and uh, Chuck Schumer and others, President uh, uh, Obama and his wife Michelle too, advising people to get out on the streets, protest on this because they want to affect the upcoming elections because of what you just said. Now that's going to go into the uh, the federal offices and into the state offices, and there will be a great battle. Tom Brecca is the founder and chief counsel of Thomas More Society, one of my favorite people. And I'm so glad you joined us early this morning in Chicago. Thanks a lot, Tom. And we'll talk to you soon. Sandy Rios in the morning, AFR Talk. Millions of persecuted believers, they're suffering, and they can use your prayers and financial support right now. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International in the country of Zambia, the place where the famous missionary David Livingstone carried out years of ministry. Shadrach is an elder in a shanty church. He had word that there was an attack coming one Sunday, and sure enough, 20 radicals showed up in an attempt to kill all the Christians gathered for worship in that service, about 200 in number. Now, in self-defense, Shadrach had a handgun. He used it on a man named Ishmael, didn't kill him, but he injured him but nursed him back to health. He was a livestock farmer, so he took care of the man's livestock. The daughter of that man could not read, could not write, so Shadrach would teach her to read and write using a Bible League program. And I can tell you, in grateful response, the entire family and 80 former radicals have come to place their faith in Jesus Christ. They need Bibles at $5 a Bible. Would you pray about it? And then call 800-YES-WORD. 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 Or give at sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org. 
This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Craig Middlebrook, Deputy Administrator at the Department of Transportation. His office promotes international trade via the St. Lawrence Seaway. Leviticus 25.14 reminds us of the importance of fair trade. And if you make a sale to your neighbor or buy from your neighbor, you shall not wrong one another. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Craig Middlebrook as he promotes trade through international waterways. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. This is an important election year in your state and all across the country. And we are joining together to pray the vote. Details at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. Liberty University's K-12 Online Academy is the best of a homeschool, private school, and Bible-based education all rolled into one. With LUOA, you can take charge of your child's learning environment and create a structured yet flexible schedule that works for your family. Our qualified teachers are easily accessible for guidance and support along the way. And with new classes starting every Monday, it's never too late to make the switch to LUOA. To learn more, text LUOA to 88741. That's LUOA to 88741. Whoever leaked the Supreme Court decision that is expected to overturn Roe v. Wade committed an act of judicial insurrection. By now you know someone inside the highest court in the land leaked an opinion written by Justice Sam Alito. The decision, 5-4, to four, to give states the rights to decide the abortion issue. But the question is, why did it leak? Why would someone commit such an egregious breach of protocol? Well, I have a theory on that. Democrats are facing a red tsunami in the midterm elections. The economy's in turmoil. Most Americans struggling to pay for groceries and gas. We're on the verge of war in Europe. So what better way to mobilize the base than to tell them Roe v. Wade is about to be overturned? No doubt we're about to go through a long, hot summer, America. There's going to be violence in the streets, or as the mainstream media framed the Black Lives Matter riots, prepare for mostly peaceful protest. I'm Todd Starnes. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. All right, Sandy Rios back with you. We are actually going to Paris in a minute. I thought we'd already be there, but we're not quite there. But I mentioned to you, while we're waiting for our guests from Paris, I mentioned to you a clip of Chuck Schumer who was vitriolic on the Senate floor yesterday. It was amazing to me, and I think we should just stop and listen to it. It's clip six. Let's listen. Devin, clip six. It disclosed that a conservative majority of the United States Supreme Court is ready to overturn Roe v. Wade and uproot decades of precedent affirming a woman's right to an abortion. If this report is accurate, the Supreme Court is poised to inflict the greatest restriction of rights in the past 50 years, not just on women, but on all Americans. Under this decision, our children will have less rights than their parents. The Republican-appointed justices reported votes to overturn Roe v. Wade will go down as an abomination. One of the worst, most damaging decisions in modern history. 
several of these conservative justices who are in no way accountable to the American people have lied to the U.S. Senate, ripped up the Constitution, and defiled both precedent and the Supreme Court's reputation, all at the expense of tens of millions of women who could soon be stripped of their bodily autonomy and the constitutional rights they've relied on for over half a century. The party of Lincoln and Eisenhower has now completely devolved into the party of Trump. Every Republican senator who supported Senator McConnell and voted for Trump justices pretending that this day would never come will now have to explain themselves to the American people. I'll have more to say later this morning, but I want to make three things clear. First, now that the court is poised to strike down Roe, it is my intention for the Senate to hold a vote on legislation to codify the right to an abortion in law. All right. So there's Senator Schumer. He's the leader of the Democratic Senate. I got just a couple of things. SCOTUS is poised to inflict this decision on the public. He says our children will have less rights than we have. Our children, our children, our children will be killed. Our children will be murdered. They will be slaughtered in the room, the womb. I don't, that is just bizarre. They'll have less rights. Oh, I think they'll have less rights. Uh, they'll have no rights. Uh, they'll have more rights to live. The first, the one that's, uh, that's guaranteed by our founding documents, the right to life. And so he says an abomination. Um, conservative justices have lied to the U.S. Senate. Uh, it's just, it's amazing. I mean, these are really inflammatory words, uh, inflammatory in every way. And it's uh, interesting to me that, and uh, is our guest with us? You guys need to tell me when he joins us. Uh, our, it's amazing to me that suddenly when we said that this is a political move, we have all this stuff that's coming in. I have it in my hands right now uh, to actually affirm the fact that that is. Uh, Biden is already saying we must elect pro-choice lawmakers to counter Supreme Court on Roe. So he's saying, what does he say exactly? Yeah, we've got it now. Get busy and elect pro-choice lawmakers. Now get out in the streets. They're trying to whip people into a frenzy because they do know that they're going to, it looks like the polls are showing, they're going to lose. The problem is there's a poll that just came out, and I think this is interesting. This is a Fox poll. I think it's a Fox, Fox poll they're reporting about. Yes, it is. Um, now, here's the, I think, actually, in this Fox article, they misrepresent what their poll actually shows, which is interesting to me. It says, just over half favor banning abortions after 15 weeks. Well, it's 54%. No, no pollster ever says that that's just over half. That's, uh, that's an understatement, because I know how pollsters write. 41% are opposed. So over half of voters want abortions to be banned after 15 weeks. 54%. 41% are opposed. That's pretty amazing. That's really quite amazing when you think about it. When you think about, I saw uh, Fox did a like a survey of people across the country. We did not pull that montage, but it's what people think about it. And there was like a, a woman with per, like orange hair who was upset, you know, that women's rights were being taken away. There was a woman on the, the mall in D.C. who said she was pro-life, but she also felt that women needed to have a choice. So completely all over the map. There was a black musician in Nashville uh, who was all about life. I mean, it was an interesting poll, but I, I just feel like it, it demonstrated to me uh, 
uh, based on the survey of the people that they interviewed. And, of course, it's not scientific. It's not a right sample. But uh, that, you know, this is our country where people on the street and certainly on television are not pro-life. Uh, but it sounds like, according to the poll, where they actually poll actual Americans, 54% would be in favor of a banning abortions after 15 weeks. That's pretty incredible. I think that's really incredible. So the Obamas now are very upset about this, and they are, I will actually read their words to you here. <clears throat> they are saying, we're not asking you to just think about these people. We're asking you to join with activists who's been sounding the alarm on the issue for years and act, stand with them at a local protest, volunteer with them on a campaign. So do you see the theme here? Joe Biden is telling people they need to elect a pro-choice officials. Now the Obamas are jumping on and they're giving, you know, get out on the streets and you need to uh, act, volunteer in these campaigns. And I've got more of their statement, actually. Here it is. Um, here's what else the Obamas say. They issued a very long statement. They say um, that the Supreme Court should not, uh, the, the government should not be interfering with personal decisions, including who we sleep with, who we marry, whether or not to use contraception, and whether or not to bear children. And that's with a joint statement by Michelle and Barack. I just think, isn't it ironic that they're all about, you? They, they, the government can tell you to mask, they can force you to take a vaccination that has not been uh, gone through the process of being tested, and that what now we know is very harmful in many cases, according to the uh, the VARS report, 3.5% of the people that took the vaccination uh, actually died. And then there were more adverse effects. And that's just the beginning of this. That's not a conclusive uh, percentage. It's of the of the sample that they took. But we, the government should be allowed to do that, force you to take a vaccination, vaccination or you'll lose your job or, you know, to be discredited or, you know, lose your work. And you must mask your children, even though we know now that that is worthless and it's caused all kinds of psychological trauma. But the government can't tell you who to sleep with. Of course, by that they mean uh, they want to sleep with people of the same sex, people of different genders. They want to have sex the way they want to have it. The government should not be able to tell them that or who they marry because they should be able to marry their dog, you know, their aunt, their mother. Uh, they should be able to marry anyone they think. The government should not interfere. And if you think I'm overstating, I'm not. I don't have time to extrapolate on those perversions. But those are things that are actually being lobbied. There's a guy in Britain who married his dog. Uh, whether or not to use contraception, whether or not to bear children. So um, it's a joint statement by the Obamas and the, of course, we've got Schumer all over this and we have Joe Biden all over this. Senator Whitehouse, by the way, has weighed in. And he says that um, there should be no investigation into the source of the Supreme Court leak. There should be no investigation. It should, what difference does it make? I'm guessing he thinks just what difference, or maybe he's concerned that someone will discover that this really actually was a plot, a timed plot, uh, because things are going poorly for the Democrats in the polls, uh, and because this is such a hot-button issue for so many people and stirs passions, especially women. Oh, women, 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 yeah, because we, you know, go figure. I, I know I'm being cynical here because I certainly recognize that it is a very personal thing, and having a child is a, it is very life-altering, no question about it. And it's, it's hard work, it's painful, and it requires the rest of your life, really, uh, until they are into adulthood to care for them. So it's a big deal, but it is not, it's, also, it's a bigger deal that you choose to kill them 
in your womb. That's a bigger deal. If a mother chooses to take the life of their baby, that's a bigger deal. And women's hearts have just been crusted over. I think uh, women who have had abortions just become hard. And one of the reasons they fight against the overturning of Roe versus Wade is because if it is no longer legal to kill your children, then maybe it's just no longer moral. And uh, that would mean that what they had done, they can't bear it because they can always tell themselves it was legal. Uh, and that means it was moral. But that's not true. Being legal is not the same as being moral. Anyway, so um, this is this is emotional in every level, and the Democrats know that. So this is a real hot button, and they want people to turn out, and they want to energize their base because their base has not been energized. So, yes, I suspect that this is all orchestrated. I suspect that Mr. White House might know about that, and that's why he doesn't want the leak investigated. Why else? Do they do they want do the Democrats really want things leaked out of the Supreme Court from their their wacky leftist justices? Really? Because that's what if you don't if you're not gonna if it's okay, anything could be leaked, that's what would be happening next. Um uh, we still don't have our guests from Paris, so I'm just gonna talk to you about a few more things. Um in regard to Ohio and the turnout, and I told you earlier, J.D. Vance has prevailed by thirty at 32.9%, and Josh Mandel came in at 243 And Dolan, I'm not sure his first name, I think it's Mike, uh, came in at 23.34%. Um, J.D. Vance, I don't know. I just, um, I hope and pray that there's something in his bio that would cause him to be the senator they say he's going to be. We, I, I didn't even tell you all the things that we had heard about him. I know he has, his wife is, a, I think, a sister or a niece to uh, Mitch McConnell's wife, Elaine Chow, connected to the Chow family, the, the billionaire um, Chinese capitalists, you know. There, that's another reason to be concerned. I mean, what's, how, what does Mitch McConnell have to do with this race, and what was his entree to that? And I just, um, but J.D. Vance has said some good things. Let's just hope he does some good things. I'm sad because Josh Mandel has actually done uh, so many good things in the state of Ohio. And uh, J.D. was a resurgent, you know, insurgent candidate. And President Trump endorsed him. And, of course, President Trump had great victory yesterday. Everyone that he endorsed in various races prevailed. And the the media was just dying to say that his influence was gone. And for, if I I'd be lying if I said that didn't make me happy, uh, that 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 he did prevail and that they were proven wrong. Because I'm just sick of them, uh, the way they want to twist everything in every report. So I guess that was achieved yesterday. But the problem is we, uh, as I said before, you can love Donald Trump and understand that some of his judgments are not good on personnel. Have we not learned that? So um, Ohioans have elected now J.D. Vance, and so we'll see what happened. I understand there was low early voter turnout in Ohio. I don't understand that. I mean, um, I don't know, even know what that means, uh, except that they said most people did cast their votes on May 3rd. I actually think that's a good thing if that's the law. Uh, but I hope it doesn't mean that just was low voter turnout on the 3rd. And I we don't really know that yet. The stats are not in. Yesterday, uh, the Wall Street Journal, or Tuesday, yeah, no, I guess it was Monday that the Wall Street Journal published uh, um, an article that said Republican, the Republican plot to lose Wisconsin in 2022. And uh, let me just tell you about that, uh, that editorial from the Wall Street Journal. It kicked off by ripping into former Wisconsin Supreme Court Justice Michael Gableman. We've talked about this a lot. We've talked about it with uh, 
uh, with Terry Dietrich. We've talked about it with uh, Senator Ron Johnson. Gableman is a former Supreme Court justice, and he did a, has done a deep dive on voter integrity from 2020. And um, he has requested an extension on his taxpayer-funded investigation into allegations of 2020 voter fraud, and he was granted that. And this is what the editorial says. Michael Gableman isn't a secret Democratic double agent, but he's sure acting like one. That's what the Wall Street Journal had to say. Gableman, an ally of Trump, was granted an extension on his investigation and will continue his probe into the 2020 election. Now, remember, Wall Street Journal is owned by Rupert Murdoch. Uh, Well, his sons run it. Uh, They run Fox and they, well, they own Fox and they own own the Wall Street Journal. They argue that the investigation is an unpopular distraction for Republicans who instead should be focused on beating Democratic Governor Tony Evers. Six months from November, his GOP challengers should be hammering COVID lockdowns and inflation. All right, here's the problem. This is the party line from the Republicans. Get get past that. Don't talk about voter fraud. In donor meetings, high donor meetings uh, among Republicans, this is what they say. This is what consultants say. This is what Newt Gingrich says, too. Newt is behind uh, coaching Kevin McCarthy's become Kevin McCarthy's cheerleader. And he's telling him to use big government socialism as the, the byword to get all these Republicans elected and uh, that he needs this, uh, p- this uh, plan that he can present in order for Republicans to prevail. And that's why Kevin McCarthy keeps touting this plan and these committees and how they're going to, you know, um, do payback. That's all Newt Gingrich behind uh, Kevin McCarthy. And I want to get to Kevin in the next segment, actually. But back to the Wall Street Journal article. President Trump responded, and he said, Everyone knows the wisdom embodied in the saying, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. The Wall Street Journal's May 2, 2022 editorial argues that we should ignore the blatant fraud that took place in Wisconsin in the November 2020 election, as detailed by former Wisconsin Supreme Court Justice Michael Gableman. To ignore the fraud that Justice Gableman continues to uncover is to allow that fraud to be repeated. Uh, and uh, there's more to say about that. And I, I probably should just pause for a second and go to the break and then come back and, and fill in the blanks on that a little bit more. But also, I have a clip I want to play for you. Uh, more stuff on Kevin McCarthy. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Not, not a fan. Uh, so we'll come back in just a second. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Sometimes our emotions are like massive mountains that stand in our way. But the Bible promises that with God, we are invincible. This week on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress begins a new series called Invincible, helping us identify and defeat the mountains that keep us from the blessed life. Listen all this week to Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress. Weekday mornings at 6 Central on American Family Radio. When you hear this, this is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. 
But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. When the Spirit of God penned those words through Apostle Peter, he meant every bit of them. Christ's following is distinct from the world. Christ's followers must look different from the world. We shouldn't be surprised then when the world does not understand us and demonizes our faith. Jesus said, the student is not above the teacher. The world hated Jesus. We mustn't be surprised when the world hates us. We are called to be peculiar. Understand it. Embrace it. Get comfortable with it. Get used to it. We are in the world, but not of the world. Stay peculiar, my friends. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Eighty percent of the time, an abortion-minded mother who views an ultrasound or sonogram of her baby will choose life. Here's the story of Candace. The sonogram sealed the deal for me. My baby was like this tiny little spectrum of hope. And I saw his heart beating on the screen. And knowing that there's life growing inside, I mean, that sonogram changed my life. I went from just Candace to mom. Thank you to everybody that has given these gifts. You guys are giving more than money. You guys are giving love. There are currently preborn centers which do not have an ultrasound machine. Would you sponsor a machine today? Dial pound 250 and say keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Or go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Your love can save a life. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Bill Gates is one of the creepiest guys on the planet. His involvement, for example, with sovereignty, crushing global governance, transhumanism, eugenics, nanochip transfusing vaccines, and Epstein Island would cause most of us to regard him as a kook, if not a pariah, were he not one of the world's richest men. Unfortunately, Gates' immense wealth gives him the stroke to impose his agenda on the rest of us. That makes particularly worrying his latest calls for enormously strengthening the Chinese-controlled World Health Organization. Especially so, as the Biden administration is quietly working to give the WHO the ability to override national health policy decisions during future pandemics. This and other aspects of the digital gulag being constructed by the likes of Bill Gates, Team Biden, and the Chinese communists must be resisted. View our terrific webinar on why at presentdangerchina.org. This is Frank Gaffney. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Sandy Rios back with you. You know, one of the things that we are experiencing is the result of our law schools becoming just radical uh, hotbeds of uh, lawlessness. You know, I mentioned to you uh, a clip that I believe we played, I certainly intended to, a couple of weeks ago, uh, where uh, this I believe this is at Harvard. It was a law class, and they brought in a conservative to speak, and the students, the law students, the legal students, stood up and hooped and shouted and would not listen would not listen, would not allow the person to speak, and the law professors trying to, you know, um, reason with them, and they just would not allow it. And I said to you yesterday, you know, when you are an attorney, your job is to be able to argue any position. Uh, that's tough. Even if you have a feel of passion about, let's say, the issue of life, 
let's say you have a passion about the, the fact that life is sacred, uh, in order to be a good attorney, you have to be able to argue that it is not and that abortion should be legal for all nine months or whatever the issue is. And that's what you practice, and you practice arguing both sides. And in a court of law, you have to listen to your opponent in order to respond to the accusations, to the allegations, to the logic, to the points that they make. And then you respond with your logic to the points that they make. But in how is it that now in law schools, the professors have become so radical that the kids are being, the students are being taught not to think, just to shout down anyone they disagree with. Can you imagine what that means to the legal system, to your right to a fair trial? Look at what's happening to the guys on January the 6th. Uh, maybe this explains why we can't, they can't get justice because the, already the uh, judges that sit, they're already the products of this whole new world of, of uh, legal thinking, which has nothing to do uh, with the traditional uh, search for truth in a court of law. It's a disaster, and that, just in my inbox a few minutes ago, this is a tweet by a guy named Aaron Sibarium. I don't know who that is, but um, he is at, near Yale. Maybe he's a student at Yale. I don't know. Or a professor. I don't know. But he just took a picture of a wall uh, at Yale Law School. Just that uh, this is some graffiti, and it says, We are the law, not your blanking court. We are the law, not your blanking court. And that's from Yale Law School. That's on uh, graffiti written on one of their walls, sent to, you know, tweeted by Aaron Sibarium. You can see where this is headed. It is headed to lawlessness. No question about that. And so um, we are in the business of truth, and so are many other people, like Tucker Carlson. I've told you before, is a is a friend of mine. I, when I used to uh, do a lot of television, I host a Crossfire many on more than one occasion, and I was certainly a guest on many, many occasions when they were at George Washington University doing a live show, and it was a, a really one of the best shows on television at the time. Tucker was just very young and just starting out, but very smart then, very smart. Uh, so I enjoy his show, and I agree with most everything Tucker says. Uh, I did not approve of his approval of our endorsement of J.D. Vance, but maybe he'll be right, huh? We hope that he is. All right, so New York Times has assigned reporters to listen to everything Tucker has done since the beginning of the show. And then they've been writing articles talking about how as shocking uh, Tucker Carlson is. And one of the reporters was on the news last night on MSNBC, and someone asked her, the uh, reporter or the host asked her what it was like to watch Tucker Carlson for all those hours, and this was her response, clip 11. Before we lose you, um, Karen, I, I want to ask you what it was like for you to watch all these hours of Tucker Carlson's show. It was revealing in a way that I can't even describe. I mean, I had no idea. I had not watched the show before this project, and once um, once I did, I realized that what we wanted to do um, would create would be to create an immersive experience so that the people um, who read The New York Times, who most likely don't watch the show on a regular basis, could feel what it's like, because I think it's easy to dismiss um, to dismiss what he's saying as, you know, just another cable TV news host. But he's he's way more powerful and and the content is way more dangerous than um, I think what what 
anybody realizes unless you're watching the show on a daily basis. Yeah. And I mean, what the what the graphic elements of the piece capture and. Yeah, I, you know what I think that means? She was having so much trouble talking there. I think what that means is it affected her. I'm just reading between the lines. Yeah, she thought that Tucker was just this radical right-wing crazy, but she actually started listening, and, man, it was powerful and dangerous because it actually appealed to her. That's why she would say it's dangerous. And so uh, I think that's interesting, and I think the New York Times has done, I think, five articles on Tucker. Uh, since this started, and they're after him. You know, they want to destroy him. Like, you know, they want to destroy everyone that doesn't talk the way they talk, you know, like law students wanting to shut up anyone who wants to say that abortion might not be a good thing because they are the law, not the blanking courts. That's what they're telling us from Yale. Anyway, um, all right, so that makes the the next conversation even more uh, upsetting, really. I've had kind of an ongoing dialogue with you about uh, undercover tapes from Kevin McCarthy, who wants to be Speaker of the House. I've told you repeatedly that it's a system, a very bad system, uh, where um, following in the footsteps of John Boehner, McCarthy punishes conservatives. He and his leadership hate conservatives. They don't. Jim Jordan is one that managed to emerge as the uh, as a the minority leader in the Judiciary Committee, and that happened because uh, Jim decided to pull out of the race to run for speaker himself uh, and uh, let push put his support behind Kevin McCarthy and as the you know as the favor he got to be the uh, minority leader in the judiciary committee so that's how this goes and but uh, conservatives for the most part Louis Gomer uh Matt Gates all those they they're not Marjorie Taylor Green um Jim Banks I mean just go through the list they're not going to be given strong positions only the accolades uh, and it really is the party uh, loyalists and the people that want to keep Kevin in power and want to keep themselves in power. They're the ones that get these committee positions. And I want to make my point uh, as clearly as I can. McCarthy was uh, caught on these tapes, and we think that these are tapes that Liz, it looks like all indicators are that Liz Cheney leaked these tapes because, you know, she hates Trump and she's on the J6 committee and she's trying to hurt McCarthy also. But it's been actually very revealing. So on Tucker Carlson a couple of nights ago, Tucker, uh, there are more tapes that just uh, were released, undercover tapes that I had not heard, and I want you to hear them. Uh, the first one I, I – uh, yeah, the first one is about um, – this is J- uh, Kevin McCarthy and Steve Scalise talking about Matt Gates calling out Liz Cheney. Let's listen. Clip one. The other thing I want to bring up, and I'm making some phone calls to some members. Um, I just I just got something sent now about Newsmax, something Matt Gates said, where he's calling people's names out, saying an anti-Trump in this type of uh, atmosphere, um, and some of the other places. This is this is serious stuff people are doing that has to stop. Okay, wait, I, what did Gates say? I, yeah, Gates said Gates brought up Liz specifically. I just saw that on Twitter. And Adam, someone just sent it to um, Gonzalez just sent it to me, so I'm calling Gates. I'm explaining to him. I don't know how much to say, but I'm going to have some other people call him too. But the nature of what, if I'm getting briefing, I'm going to get another one from the FBI tomorrow. Uh, this is serious shit. Cut this out. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's, uh, I mean, it's potentially illegal what he's doing. Well, he's putting people in jeopardy, and he, he doesn't need to be doing this. He's, we, we saw what people would do in the Capitol. So, in other words, 
Matt Gates calling out Liz Cheney and Adam Sh- uh, Kinzinger as anti-Trump is dangerous and illegal, says Steve, Skees, says Steve Scalise, at putting people in danger. Criticizing people that do not support President Trump is putting them in danger. Uh, and so it's all conflated. And so that's what the discussion between Kevin McCarthy and Steve Scalise, who says what Gates did is potentially illegal. And so uh, then they go on. There, there's a story in this conversation about Congressman Barry Moore uh, tweeted about the death of Ashley Babbitt in the Capitol. And this, this, I think this call took place uh, within a week of uh, January the 6th. And so Barry Moore tweeted something, and then they discussed that. So let's listen. This is clip two. He tweeted at Marjorie Green and at Nayroll. I understand it was a black police officer that shot the white female veteran. You know, that doesn't fit the narrative. What? Oh, oh man. This is what we're, we have to confront with this. Can't they take their Twitter accounts away, too? Right, did you catch that? So, uh, Barrymore tweets that it was a black police officer who shot Ashley Babbitt. And they're saying, oh, man, oh, now that's true. That's absolutely true. And in this atmosphere where white policemen are being, you know, pretty much just terminated without even due process uh, for shooting black men, it's a relevant point. It's a very relevant point. And they're, they're very upset. And, and McCarthy's response is, can't we take, can't Twitter take away their accounts too? In other words, like they did uh, President Trump, can't they take those accounts away too? That's really, uh, that's just shocking. Really it is. Disturbing. And this is how they feel about these conservatives in the caucus, like Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene and others and Louis Gilmer. They want them out. They want them out. They want them to be defeated. They, they spend tons of money on the people that they can control. That's who they want in the caucus because Kevin McCarthy wants to be speaker. And wants to wield power, but it won't be power for the people. It'll be power for himself. I, I'm I'm on a warpath about this, and again, I may be the only person in America besides Tucker Carlson. But I want you to know what's happening because I'd like to stop it. I think we should ask our congressional candidates, whoever prevails in these primaries, would you support Kevin McCarthy as speaker? And if the answer is yes, then no, then you're not getting my vote. You're not getting my vote. Because we have to have a different kind of body. We cannot have business as usual in the Congress if Republicans take it back over. All right, so Bill Malugin on Fox actually corners Kevin McCarthy. And, uh, and uh, well, let's just listen to it. It's clip three. You're on a call with House Republican leadership, and you're heard on that audio saying that you've, quote, had enough with President Trump and that you would tell him to his face it would be your belief that he should resign. Do you still stand by those comments? Look, I never told the president to resign. It was a conversation that we had about scenarios going forward. And regarding that audio tape, you had said the New York Times reporting on it was, quote, false and wrong. Then the tape came out. Did you lie? No, because what was brought to me is said that I called the president to say that, um, that uh, to resign. I never called the president to say resign. No, he just said he was going to. He said, I'm going to ask him to resign. He should resign. Uh, so, it, you know, he's just not being honest with the American people and with all of us. Uh, and there's manipulation going on, some very backhanded deals. Matt Gates was on with Tucker then, and I want you to hear his response. This is clip four. 
Well, I was just describing the facts. You had a group of people who were going to try to join with Democrats uh, to impeach President Trump, and that is precisely what has played out. You mentioned he's in line to be speaker. I mean, I don't know that Kevin McCarthy's in line to be speaker. I don't know if the guy could get an account on Truth Social at this point based on the inconsistency between the recordings and what he says to us. And it is debasing for Republicans to give this guy a standing ovation after he smears Trump, lies to the country, and then tries to sick big tech and the DOJ on members of Congress whose views he doesn't agree with and whose factual representations are ultimately borne out. And the crazy thing about this, Tucker, is that it was all done for the sake of protecting Liz Cheney. I mean, at the time, I was protecting President Trump from impeachment, and Kevin McCarthy was protecting Liz Cheney from criticism. And now she is owning them with their own words. And maybe Liz Cheney has done us a favor because now, finally, you don't have to be a lobbyist with a $5,000 check to know what Kevin McCarthy and Steve Scalise really think. You know, I was up front about the fact that I was going to politically oppose Liz Cheney. I went to Wyoming. I made my case there. This notion that you can have these sniveling calls and try to foment action against Republicans by big tech and the DOJ is not fitting of leadership. Well, you see, I will be the one criticized because people will say this is divisive. We should be unified against the Democrats. The problem is the Democrats win if Republicans take power and then think and talk and behave just well, like exactly. the Democrats. So I I'm presenting an alternative vision, and it would be nice if the leadership wasn't the lagging indicator on these things. They were the last ones to realize that Liz Cheney should have been tossed out of leadership. I was out there making the case, and ultimately they caught up. But leaders lead from the front. They're not the lagging indicator. Yeah, exactly. So if Kevin McCarthy is, is elected speaker, there, nothing will be done about the J6 prisoners. Nothing will be done to address election integrity because Newt Gingrich is coaching him and Newt is uh, all about getting past that. And nothing will be done about Russian collusion or getting to the bottom of any of it. So I'm just telling you, I'm telling you up front, that's what's going to happen if your congressman is in the camp of Kevin McCarthy. And we need to stop President Trump from supporting him too. Some of us are working on that. All right, Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.